Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. This is the Brave Podcast, awakening dreams, purpose, and songs. Our mission is to empower Christian songwriters to craft heartfelt songs of worship. Hey, Chrissy. Hey, George. What's going on? What's up? You know, if you call me that, people are going to really think that's my name. I'm sorry. His name is Eric, but I call my whole family George. It's very confusing at times. (laughs) It's really fun. (laughs) I actually can't wait for Christmas this year. Mm -hmm. I have some plans. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) All of our stockings are going to be called George. (laughs) We'll have to see. It's going to be fun. All right. Hey, we didn't talk about this last time, but you won a Dove Award. Yes. What is up with that? You did too. We both got one. You were the publisher on that Well, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah, we had so much fun. Yeah, we had a blast. Sometimes, you know, industry stuff, you never know how it's going to feel or, but it felt really genuine and beautiful this year. Oh, I I really. Awesome. The GMA did it right. This was the best Dove Awards that I've seen live. Do you have something in your I have. I still have that thing in my mouth, though. Okay. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it was awesome. Jackie Patillo is the president, and we love her. She's doing such an amazing job. She is. And, she um, got a special award. She did, too, the Jackie Patillo Award. Yeah, how about that? You get an, named an award after named her, after you. Which is amazing. Yeah. I'll so. give you my George Award. Okay. <laughs> I'll accept it. I'll accept it happily. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it was really fun. We dressed up and, yeah. you know, we did the whole thing and it was really fun because our daughter got to come this time. So last time when we received an award, she was only two. She didn't even come. Yeah. She didn't come. Yeah. When you won for your great name, it was the boys and yeah. they were young and they had a blast. And that yeah. was kind of their. So season. the boys came and your parents came mm-hmm. and your Sister, sister and, and her family friends, came. My brother. Yeah. Sister-in-law. It was a super fun night, a great night of celebrating with the Brave family as well. Yeah, this time. Yeah. And writing worship family. I mean, it was just a really sweet, sweet mm-hmm. night. Anthem got to walk the red carpet with us. She loved it. Yep. Which we got the text that our award had won or that we had <laughs> received the award when we were still on the red carpet, like behind the scenes. Right. I got a text from Joseph Habedank, my friend, and he said, you guys won. I was like, what? We're not even out there. He said, well, they just called it. <laughs> they called, <laughs> they it, called right, it right at the beginning. They the played first the, one. the yeah. pre-show, mm-hmm. which was pre-recorded because of COVID. Yeah. They decided to pre-record it all, which actually was really well done. It the was whole beautiful. Thing. Mm-hmm. They did an amazing job. Tasha Layton. Yeah. And- Tasha and Doe actually were the ones that announced it, which are some of my previous co-writers. So it was really fun. Yeah. 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 
Love, so love uh, it was a it was a fun. I think I heard Hope Darst's mm-hmm. peace, peace song, peace, peace be still, peace be still, <laughs> more times than I've ever heard it. Yeah, because we went to a private event. Hope sang, mm-hmm. and then actually during the Dove Awards, she sang that song, and they actually put the camera on us. Oh yeah, we were on there. We were on there. Yes, smiling well, and worshiping. Yeah. So our award wasn't in the main show, but. Mm-hmm. But our worst well, the worst. award that we that you won, yeah, wasn't in the main shows in the pre-show, right. but Song of the Year, which is mm-hmm. famous for, was nominated for, was in the the main show. Yeah, of course that the blessing won that. Right. And that we we, knew we that. love that song. Yeah, that That's song great is song. powerful. Mm-hmm. So super grateful. Yeah. We just had smiles on our faces. Just felt like we were supposed to love people, mm-hmm. and that was it. And we really did. It yeah. was so fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, so. We didn't get to talk about the song barn this time, but right. we d- we do want to dedicate a whole episode. Your hair is so funny now. <laughs> My- Your headphones fell. <laughs> okay. You look like Princess Leia there for a second. <laughs> oh. Anyway, we were going to talk about song barn this episode, but I think maybe we need to wait. Yeah. Let's we do a whole we should episode. dedicate a whole episode to that. Mm-hmm. We will lay it out the vision mm-hmm. and we'll do that. So today Mm-hmm. We have a special guest on the Brave podcast. By the way, if you didn't know, we're mixing Brave worship and writing worship now on this Brave podcast. We're still calling it Brave, mm-hmm. but it's for the writing worship community just as much as it is for the Brave community. Brave community is women only, mm-hmm. right? Female. Cre- it's kind of what birthed everything. Yeah. And um, it's grown. So our family has grown. We've mm-hmm. had children. We have children, <laughs> they're boys and girls, boys and girls, and everyone's so, welcome here. And that's yeah. why I have a male voice. So we have. I talked. I had another conversation. This is becoming a habit now. I'm the one having these interviews, mm-hmm. and um, it's time for you to get get some interviews. Time for you to step up a little bit. Oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. Wow. Okay. No. So Kevin Weinbarger is an awesome, awesome dude. Mm -hmm. I like him a lot. He's been mentioned several times by some of our writers in the writing worship community. He is a consultant, like a songwriting consultant. So he'll work from with you from beginning to end, from the songwriting crafting portion to production, Mm -hmm. recording, and then releasing and marketing. He's kind of a a all-in-one a la carte service that he offers with Courage Studios. Mm-hmm. I like the name Courage Cast mm-hmm. is my podcast, so I like him a lot. But he and I connected immediately. He resonates really strongly with you. You've mm-hmm. written with him, yeah, back in the early, early days it was when a he while was, ago. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he talks about his development as a writer, mm-hmm. as a person, as a believer mm-hmm. of just sort of dropping all of the baggage that he brought into his life, realizing that he needed to invest in himself, both Mm -hmm. with time and money. And he got some really great feedback from somebody that was kind of a dream crusher. You know, your story, you have a dream crusher story. Mm -hmm. Well, this person spoke some truth into his life and he listened and he changed and Mm -hmm. did and made the investment and put the, put in the work. And man, the fruit of it is, is really beautiful. He's one of us in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And I think while we might bring a lot of the songwriting resources to the table as our strength. Mm -hmm. He brings really, he loves to work with artists speaking into them both spiritually, 
in on the production front as a producer, but then also we've worked with him with Brave, mm-hmm. releasing some of our songs. Tremendous value in working with him and mm-hmm. seeing our stream numbers, our stream counts go up, especially on Spotify and YouTube. He's excellent. Would highly recommend him. So we'll put links in the show notes to everything about Kevin and Courage Studios and how you can connect with him. But I want you to hear from him yourself. So it's a little too early, okay. but thanks, honey, for that. So here it is, my conversation <laughs> with Kevin Weinbarger of Courage Studios. I'm here with Kevin Weinbarger. Kevin, this is a long time in the making. Welcome to the Brave Writing Worship Podcast, whatever we're calling it. We haven't quite <laughs> settled on what it is yet. Dude, let's go. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Did we did we talk about doing this back in April or was it March? March. And I think I had to reschedule because my wife's water broke. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Your wife's water broke. I had COVID. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of stuff happened. Well, and I think I got the better end of that because I ended up with a baby. Uh, yes, you not, did. Not a COVID recovery, but um, no, it's been... Uh, I was telling you earlier, today is his six-month birthday, I guess. And it's been so life-changing and rich. And I mean, just the love for him is like infectious. And you know how like it feels to have your baby smiling at you and just so present. Oh man, it's it's just been the best for sure. Yeah. And you've set yourself up so you can work from home. You can be close. You can take care of your kids if you yeah. need to. Your wife's doing a wonderful job, but you do it together, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It's no, it's been awesome. Yeah. She's been like a total, just, she's in like queen mom mode. I don't even know. I don't know if like something triggers or something, but it's like, and she's always had this in her, but the way that she loves our child, sometimes I'm just like, I just have to like take it in and be amazed just because I mean, parenting just changes you. It's been absolutely incredible. And she's, she's an amazing wife. We've been married since August of 2013, which is really weird that we're coming up on a decade soon. Yeah. But uh, life's fast, man, but it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, Kevin, tell me a little bit about kind of your background. You've been doing this. You've been a songwriter, a producer. You've released your own music. You've done all of this for more than a decade, I believe, right? I mean, you've invested a lot of your time and energy and money into improving yourself. And that's one of the things I think that we resonate the most with is I resonate the most with you is just how much you've invested in yourself. Tell me about the journey up until now uh, that kind of got you started. Why did you pursue music? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. First off, a little bit about me. So my name's Kevin Weinbarger. I'm based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. I produce and promote artists for a living at Courage Studios. But uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey of like accidentally getting here. <laughs> it's in some intentionality there too. But just to go all the way back and get us here somewhat briefly. So when I was growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, but really just did not believe in the Lord at all. And there was this thing called Interlink. 
I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah, of but there course. was this thing where CDs would get sent out to churches and youth groups, and I used to rip those CDs because I was not a saint, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would listen to those those songs at my house. And there's a song that I heard that really opened up my mind to just the grace, the rich grace of God. And two weeks later, I ended up giving my life to the Lord. And that was really incredible. What was the song? It was called Simply. It's by Pillar. Mm-hmm. And Chorus said, despite all the stupid things I've done, it's hard to remember that you simply love. And that was really life-changing for me because I felt so much guilt and shame. And I was in a, I received Christian Christianity very religiously and took ownership for my sin and internalized it in a way that was shameful and not of the Lord. And when I realized that God's love offers a way out through the gospel, it was, I was desperate for him and it changed my life completely. And so, yeah, two weeks later at a youth camp, ended up giving my life to the Lord. And I remember specifically just really sensing that I was going to write songs that would travel around the U.S. And I had no clue what that meant. And it wasn't even that like, I thought that being in a band was cool and there'd be something that I'd get out of it. Of course, I liked music, but I knew that it wasn't like motivated by that. There was something in my spirit that just sensed that I'm going to be facilitating this for people. And I wasn't really sure what that was going to look like. And I also didn't know what to do with all of my sin (laughs) and all of the junk, but that God was going to work it out in due time. And so I just started this like really candid, real relationship with him. About five, six months later, it was Christmas break. I was, I believe, a junior in high school. My brother had come home from college and was leading at this church plant about 25 minutes outside where I lived and I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And it was in Gray's Creek. So anybody who's listening who's around the area, they know uh, you probably never even heard of Gray's Creek. It's so small. But uh, but yeah, there was a church plant there and he led there and they needed somebody once he was going back to college in Virginia. And he was like, hey, how about my brother? So I ended up hopping in and all of a sudden after I'd only been playing acoustic for five weeks and they were like, we want you to lead six songs a week on acoustic and lead our entire church. <laughs> and they're like, you know, I know, you know, piano, but piano isn't cool. We're contemporary church. You know, you got to play acoustic. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I'm just figuring out, I have no clue what's happening. I barely have a relationship with the Lord, but I just started serving. I knew I loved God. I knew he loved me. And I loved uh, doing music and I didn't really know totally what that looked like, but I just moved cluelessly forward and just started leading this church. And it was just a really special time. And I knew that I was called to build God's kingdom somehow through music. I wasn't sure what that looked like. And the only way I'd really seen that happen was through being a worship leader and so or a pastor. So I was like, you know what? I think that's what I'm supposed to do. I never necessarily felt called to be like a pastor or an elder, but I just thought, oh, I guess that's the route. So I ended up going to school at Liberty University in Virginia and did a bachelor's and master's in that and served as a worship pastor and leader in various contexts for about nine years, specifically in multi-ethnic, multi-socioeconomic and multi-cultural churches, which I have a really big passion for and just see a lot of beauty in that. And so anyways, I'm just 
going down the path, growing in my relationship with the Lord, you know, writing songs, this and that. Fast forward to 2013, I'm an assistant engineer at a studio, and my boss's best friend is a guy in the industry who's one of the head people at the Doves who helps head up the show. And uh, he launched artists like Fred Hammond, Yolanda Adams. I mean, just an incredible talent, so knowledgeable. And I asked him for some feedback on my music. And just because I'd met him over FaceTime or Skype or whatever that we were using for video calling back then. And we ended up connecting one time when I showed him some songs and he said, we had a really candid conversation where he said, you know, your lyrics are, are trite, your melodies are forgettable, and your voice hurts to listen to. Are you sure you're called to do this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I was like, well, I was like, okay. That I Paul really Wright, do. He, can be, uh, he can be pretty <laughs> direct, can he? Oh, dude, I love that guy. I'll say we had some really cool full circle stuff, but I ended up telling him like, I know I really do like I really do feel like I'm called to use this songwriting in some way. And he said, are you saying that to be spiritual or do you really mean it? Which I appreciated the check because in Christian culture, a lot of times we say stuff that sometimes we don't even think about. Do we really mean it? And so I appreciate like he said it out of a kind place. And I was like, no, I, I really do like believe I'm called to do this. And he said, well, to be really, really honest with you, I don't know if there's any hope for you, but if there is, it's with Cindy Wilt Colville. She's got a retreat coming up in a month, and you should try to see if you can go. And so Cindy Wilt Colville has been in the industry for years. She mentored writers and artists like Jason Ingram, who co-produced like and wrote on You Say by Lauren Daigle, Matthew West, Joel Lindsay, Marty Funderburg, Ross King, just so many phenomenal writers and just a really amazing woman. And I applied to get into a retreat. I was slot 23 of 25. <laughs> got in at the last minute. And little did I know she had stage three lung cancer and would pass nine months later. At that retreat, it was the final night and everybody was out of the campfire in the back, just singing and you know having a good time. And I was in this main living room with her at the lodge that we were staying at. And I said, you know, I, I feel really stuck with my music and I got this feedback and like, I'm trying to figure out how to process that productively. And you know, she just spoke all this stuff in my life that was just really rich in truth. And it was very perceptive and true. And I think sometimes there can be a negative or like confusing connotation with the word like prophetic. She could see things ahead in my life that I couldn't see because of her wisdom that I believe that was established by her time in the industry and also by her time with the Lord. And both of those, I felt those deeply and impactfully in that conversation. She set me up with some of my first co-writes, Matt Price being one of them, I think. Yeah. And like several different people. And I just started moving forward from there. And uh, I started co-writing two to four times a week for about three years. And then also doing solo writes myself. I ended up hiring a songwriting coach. His name's Stephen Duncan, amazing guy. And he mentored me at the time. And I just put in a lot of time and I was a worship pastor at the time and uh, just loving getting to care for my church, grow with them, just show up every day in the trenches. And when we couldn't find a song that fit a sermon series or something, I'd write it for them. I'm not trying to plug in my music to try to conjure up some kind of thing. But if there's something that reflects our body or could speak to what we're experiencing or could help us you know, theologize and declare truth and meditate on God's word, then of course I wanted to help 
do whatever I could to facilitate that. So if songwriting, you know, cool, if something else, cool. And so that's when I really started integrating that at the time. And so fast forward to about 2017, I remember uh, God just really, like the Holy Spirit really convicting me. I was in a sermon in the back of the room, an executive worship pastor at a church leading five services a week at two out of the three sites and just a lot going on overseeing about 225 volunteers. And I was in the back of the room and my pastor uh, preached on John 15 and talking about God being the vine and us being the branches and abiding you and I and me and this whole deal. And I just remember sitting in the back of the room thinking, oh, shoot, I understand this theoretically, but not experientially. And I just felt this like really interesting, confusing combo of grace and conviction at the same time. And so that week I was like, you know what, like I need to work on some stuff. And so anyways, I just started having this revival that was just so rich in my life. And I was like, I have to record this. And so one of my friends, his name's Sean Hill. He's a producer at Uphill Studios in Atlanta. He ended up producing this record for me and he discipled me through the creative process, which I believe at the core of creativity is vulnerability. And that's a posture where God can do a lot of life change. And I was a believer, but a lot of ways that I didn't understand God's knowledge of me and his love of me. And I'd been studying a lot at the time, First John, which talks about to be known as to be loved. But, and I was also studying about courage, which the Latin root of courage is core. C-U-R, it means heart. And the original definition is sort of like to speak one's mind by telling one's whole heart. And as I was learning this, I had this realization that part of the reason I've not received God's love in certain areas of my life is because I don't understand his knowledge of me. And part of the reason I don't understand his knowledge of me is because I don't understand how he sees me. And that was a really sobering reality to take in that I didn't understand what it meant to be seen by God. And of course, he fully saw me already, but I wasn't willingly bringing all of myself to the table and saying, okay, God, I recognize that you see me and that you know me and somehow uh, you fully love me in this whole thing. That was just like, not something I could accept. And God really broke a lot of that in that process of really just understanding what it meant to be seen and known and so deeply and preciously cherished by God. And I believed in lies like God's the light of the world and I'm in his shadow. So I sort of need to sit back and if anything happens through me, it'll be because of God. I would pray prayers like, God, use me. It's like, like, I would never tell my wife, like, I love how my wife uses me or something. Like, we don't use, like, uses is such like a weird word and not to get overly semantical about it, but words have power. I mean, I believe, especially as a songwriter, I believe that. And, and you know, so it was just really powerful to understand, okay, God doesn't use me. He has welcomed me into fellowship with him, communion with him as a branch connected to the vine as a son adopted by the father, as, as someone who is deeply, fully known, fully cherished, you know, that his love is not, not only is it unconditional, it's untransactional. So it's not like he loves me and then dangles a carrot in front of me saying, you better follow me, you know. <laughs> he literally just is love. God is love. And that's not a cheap love. That's a kind of kindness that actually leads you to repentance. 
And that's what was happening in my life. And in all this through writing songs, which just seems so like, how is this even happening? <laughs> and so the transformation that was happening in my life was so rich and so profound. And it was shifting so many things in my world that I was like, I have to do something with this. And so I ended up stepping out of doing any kind of vocational uh, church ministry as a, as a worship leader and ended up starting a studio in a spare seven by 11 bedroom in our house and in a tiny town with like 90,000 people and a lot of prayers and and a lot of support from people like Sean. And it was a very quiet time, not super known, not a lot of song cuts or like, I don't know, noise. And I just am so thankful to God for that time because God is so good in what he restricts. And I was experiencing his abundance through abundant simplicity. We didn't have a child, which as you know, is so much work. I didn't have all these clients that I was working with. I didn't have all these artists that I was writing for. It was just a lot of time waking up in the morning and just pursuing the heart of God, writing songs, taking courses to grow in production, and just doing my best to show up and really say, okay, God, what do you want out of this? We leaned on my wife's income at the time. We lost thousands of dollars, like not to be tacky, but just to be transparent. Like it was, it was a sacrificial time. And it was, and I'm just so grateful to God for it, that there was something that happened through creating, responding to what he was creating in me, instead of trying to conjure up something for his approval, feeling so deeply approved of by God, that in, instead of just creating for his approval, I was loving the one who first loved me and declaring the worth of the one who first declared mine. And that was just a totally different thing. I've never experienced that before. And it was just so rich and moving and powerful. And so I was riding with a lot of worship pastors who were my friends because I was no longer a worship pastor. And I was doing itinerant worship leading for my friends and stuff and writing for their sermon series. And so with all that said, they'd have a time where like, hey, can you help us write for the sermon series? We write a song. They love, they love this song. And they're like, dude, I'd love to turn this into a master. And can you produce this? I mean, we, you've done this demo. It sounds really cool. I think we can make it something we release. And I'm like, sure, why not? And so uh, I started producing full productions that would be released under artist names. And from that, I started having publishers contact me to do demos. I started having artists tell their friends and just organically and slowly but surely developed into this business that I ended up calling Courage Studios after my album Courage that was from that whole experience of learning what it really means to be seen by God. And so fast forward with that, and then I'll do a quick rewind. It's been a little over four years now because that was back in June of 2017. And now we're working with people all over the world. I remember praying in that spare seven by 11 bedroom, this prayer that I just thought was so like goofy, but I knew it was from God. And I was like, is this just like, what is this? But I just really felt like I was supposed to pray that this would be a sanctuary for people from all nations to come and realize their seenness in Christ and that God would just so richly lavish his love and his grace and his truth on them that it would just totally forever change the way that they create, which I don't know if I said this before, I believe that the essence of creativity is vulnerability. And that's a posture where God can do a lot of life change. 
And so helping to shepherd artists through this process, I'm not doing some, it's not any like magical thing. I'm not trying to, I don't know, be over-involved in their lives or like try to be a pastor, but just more of a brother and really care and shepherd these people and help facilitate what God ultimately would be doing, which was really interesting how I used to think that that was passive and it's more active than anything because you're praying and doing all these things that maybe they don't even see. And so fast forward four years, we have artists that are working with us all around the world. You know, last week I had someone come in from Jamaica and Canada and just working with artists all around the world, which is totally wild. As an artist, so two years later, I ended up launching that record which I waited two years because all the money I was going to spend promoting it, I needed to live (laughs) launching a business. And so anyways, fast forwarding with that, drop this record. My first song hits 100,000 streams in five days. And the month before that, I had been praying and I was journaling and I was just frustrated because I thought, I don't know how to share my music as meaningfully as it was made. And I remember having this epiphany. I was just randomly recalling the story about this widow in the temple. So I start Googling a look up on Bible Gateway, Mark 12. This widow's in the temple and she drops two coins in the plate and Jesus turns to the disciples and says, look, this woman gave everything she had. And I remembered having this epiphany, like that's what marketing is. Like it's it's actually just stewardship. It's less about being the best and more about bringing your best as a posture of worship. And for me, that was so refreshing because I had this massive checklist in my head of, okay, here's what you do when you have this release. You need to do this, 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 and this. And and what I could do is then stewardship is really all about context. And Jesus loves context and he honors context and he remarks about context because had the rich young ruler who he said, sell everything and give to the poor, drop two coins in the plate, that sacrifice would have been completely different than that widow. And so that was really freeing for me because I realized context is important. And so I started asking myself questions like, what am I called to do? What do I want to do? Because God loves to meet us and our desires, which I think is something that for some reason, we feel like that's not biblical. Like we need to forsake our desires. But I actually find that like, God has done so much more than I could ask for or imagine. And if he's ever not met my desires, he's exceeded them. And even in stuff I'm currently giving to God every day, like he's always doing one or the other there. And then also to what's sustainable for me, my family, my marriage, and then what's going to bring the most value to my audience. So that mindset going into that, that release was just a totally different posture. And what was so cool about it is I had closure and peace and contentment in my heart that it was worship. And so when this record dropped and there was an instant resonance, I started having a bunch of friends ask me like, hey, dude, what just happened? Like, can you help me do this with my music? So I started doing some consulting. And what I found is that there was a problem that was actually a really encouraging problem. Because I thought, consulting artists, it would help them solve their problems, but it was actually perpetuating a problem. And it was that you can't scale and grow at the same time without outsourcing or automation. So like a moment that you spend calling a radio station to see if they'll consider putting your song in rotation is the moment that you didn't spend writing a better song. And so what was encouraging about that, because you might think, well, that sounds sad. The reason that was encouraging to me is I thought a lot of artists couldn't scale because they had a scaling problem. Like I'm trying to scale and I can't. But what I realized is for the vast majority of artists, what they actually have is a margin problem, which is when I say yes to this with my time, my money, my creative energy, by default, I say no to something else with my time and my money. 
and my creative energy. And so I'm tapped out. And we're in this era right now of just like this solopreneur area where or era where people feel like they have to do everything themselves and they're Googling and YouTubing their way to just becoming above average in everything. But when you spread your time and your money and your creative energy so widely, at some point by default, something has to taper off and you just start plateauing in terms of how much you can grow because you're focused on scaling. And I think that that's part of the reason why there's so much above mediocre art that just stays above mediocre because people are so tired trying to do everything. And so I realized like what was encouraging to me is, oh, like there's a solution. If you outsource your scaling, you have more margin to grow. And if you look at all the artists that are, almost every artist is the most influential in their market they are not like Billie Eilish is not pitching to playlists. Justin Bieber isn't putting a poster on the wall at the coffee shop about his concert. Drake isn't calling radio stations. They have a team that they've outsourced scaling to so that their margin is allocated towards personal growth, professional growth, and then relational growth with their audiences. And so while you may not be able to replicate someone else's budget someone else's exact rollout strategy, maybe that doesn't make sense for your context, you can replicate their disciplines. And so what was really rewarding is seeing, oh, like this is really about stewardship. It's less about technical little specific little, you know, shortcuts and this and that, but really getting to a posture of, okay, who is my context and what does God call me to do? And asking the question, what's going to bring the most value to my audience? Because one of the things I've learned from my business coach was you're always responsible to do the thing that brings the most value to your audience. And so, you know, thinking about that and helping artists shift that posture there has been so rewarding. In the process of realizing that consulting wasn't really solving problems, but perpetuating them, I started having people ask me if they're like, hey, I don't know if this would offend you, but can I like pay you to help me like promote my music? (laughs) And I was like, sure. So So I started doing that. And then they referred their friends who referred their friends, who referred their managers, who referred their labels. And all of a sudden, we have global clientele of people that are all wanting to build the kingdom of God and put their unique voice out there and market music and do it from a posture of stewardship, of worship, and a couple full circle moments. I never imagined I'd land in Spotify promotion but I also never imagined I'd meet the grace of God through an Interlink CD. So it's just been really, really cool to like, obviously Interlink, putting out physical CDs is not probably like the, I don't know if they're in active ministry anymore, but it's probably not the main way they're doing stuff now. And so this new era of sort of getting to have the torch pass and continue that has just been really, really cool. Fast forward with my artistry, it's gotten over 5 million streams, which has been totally wild. I've had lots of um, just really impactful, humbling testimony shared with people connecting with God through the music. And I ended up writing on an album that won a Dove Award uh, last year for Southern Gospel Album of the Year. And it was just really cool to get to thank Paul all those years ago for that like really candid, awkward, good, imperfectly delivered, imperfectly received, but like God ordained conversation because it really changed my life. And I think God allowed it to happen because he knew that I was ready to not be ready for it. And obviously I'm not all this or all that, but I can look through the years and see God's like 
really rich faithfulness and now getting to help artists do the same thing and sort of get to be a, um, a multiplier, for lack of a better word. It's just really fun. I mean, I, I love doing this stuff. And so that's sort of how I got to where I am today. Well, I asked you one question <laughs> and we're already 25 minutes in. This is great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, but that is great. I mean, I I didn't even want to interrupt because there was just so much good gold there, in my opinion. I mean, I took I took about a half a page of notes here on everything you said. And I think before we started talking, I remember you asking, you know, what do we want to give to people that are listening? And I told you I wanted you to give your heart. I wanted you to share your heart. I wanted you to tell personal stories. I wanted, I wanted people to understand that there is a different way than the typical way that is exhausting. And I, I see the same thing. I see so many exhausted promoter artists who are trying to, like you said, you said it so well, that are trying to scale they're trying to do it all themselves and they're worn out trying to do everything. And I catch myself doing that too. It's very easy for me to get caught up in trying to do it all myself because I'm trying to save money here or save money there. And, oh, well, I guess I have to sacrifice this in order to get that. But what I like about your what you said here most recently is the replication of disciplines that is is the thing that really artists and songwriters that you would like to see them focus on the disciplines of personal growth professional growth and relational growth that is powerful if if we can all get a hold of that it just for some reason it just frees my shoulders are lighter thinking like ah oh, I can give it away. But what do you think keeps people, songwriters and artists, from not doing that? Is it a lack mentality? Is it a, a lack of understanding that God can provide financially when you invest in yourself? Yeah, that's such a massive question. My initial thought is, of course, after talking about stewardship and context, it all depends on the context of each person, right? So there's that. But I, I think in general, man, a few things. One of the things I've been, I've learned that one of my friends, he's a counselor and he's told me, you know, ultimately people, people make time for what they value. They're going to prioritize what they prioritize in the end. And that whole Bible scripture, is it Paul that says, I do what I don't want to do, and that whole kind of wrestle? There is a thing that I would call the prayer before the prayer. It's like the want to, want to. And uh, I think sometimes we've, we've been taught about a lot about how to pray. But yeah, I think there's such a thing as a prayer before a prayer. And we've learned a lot in the church about how to pray. There's not a lot about the prayer before the prayer. And I think there's, I think it's, I know from my personal experience, just sharing with that, I felt so disqualified to pray a prayer before the prayer. What does that mean, prayer before the prayer? You can expound on that, I hope. Yeah. Like maybe you're dealing with an addiction or something like that. Like, God, I just, I really like, I want to honor you with my life. But right now, I want to engage this addiction more. If I'm being really honest 
And God, I need you to literally shift my desires to have the courage to give this to you and experience you right in the thick of this so that my soul would be richly and fully satisfied to where I wouldn't want to tap into any other source. That would be what I would call like a prayer before the prayer. It's like, God, give me the courage to pray this. Like if I don't even have the faith to get to the direct prayer, let me just pray, pray that God would help me even get to that and really be able to say it with a yes and amen and align myself with the Lord through his sufficient grace that'll cover the weakness. But I think there is an aspect of like, I know I'm sort of uh, skirting around this question. I'm not intending to, but um, as saturated as the industry is, one thing that will never be oversaturated is discipline and artists that have a clear priority list in order. Because I think there are a lot of things I think that one of the top reasons I see artists not figuring out how to outsource scaling is because they have a fear of someone else touching their stuff and it's all so precious. And what I found is as I've brought people onto my team, it's actually become so much more enjoyable and even more precious. Another common reason I see with people is angst. Is it the same thing as fear or is it a little different? Anxiety, you mean? No, what I would say is angst. That's yeah, that's a great question. I think angst, I love that word. What I mean by it specifically is this, you know, that gnawing feeling like, oh, I need to build a kingdom, but I just have this and this. And I just, (laughs) I know I'm supposed to reach God's called me to do this or that, but I have this small budget and I don't know what to do. And I'm a mom of three kids and I just don't know how I'm called to do this. And you have this uh, right, kind that, of that, undertone. I can see your face, your feet, your, your teeth are clenched. Oh yeah. You're just, you know, biting your teeth because you're just like, Oh, I just, I know there's more I could do. I just don't paralyzation. Oh yeah. And it's a beautiful place to realize that you're at. But the Psalms say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, not though I camp in the valley of the shadow, though I sleep in the valley, it's though I walk through. Yeah. So we have to give ourselves the opportunity to work through that. So those are like, I guess, on the spiritual side of things, roadblocks I see a lot, whether it's fear or that. Practically speaking, I think in terms of outsourcing scaling, there's just a lot of stuff out there that Due to a lack of information, people can feel uncertain about where to go, where to start. It's just this this sort of wild west of who do I hire for promotion? How do I even promote music? Or what do I do if I'm not a touring artist? Or I live in like a town in Canada with 5,000 people and the closest big city is three hours away. Or what do I do if I live in some huge music town and I don't want I'm this no-name smaller artist. There can be this paralysis, really what you were saying. I think I think paralysis can manifest itself in multiple ways, whether it's a practical or like a kind of mental paralysis that's not really having a spiritual stronghold or some kind of spiritual stronghold. Somewhere there's that. And I think too, another big thing is I see a lot of times just a lack of curiosity to try things and see what works and what doesn't. One of the things that was really instrumental in my time being produced with that record is learning that I had suppressed curiosity in my life because I thought that that was unbiblical. 
I always saw a biblical Christian as someone who is sort of stoic and still and grounded. And I thought they don't ask hard questions because they already know the answers. They don't explore things because they find full satisfaction in God. So they don't need to like try this business venture or that or this thing that they like. And for me, learning what biblical curiosity was, was very, very life-changing and also gave me the permission to try things that would epically flop. Because the reality is, for example, if I'm promoting a song and I hire a promoter to promote five songs, the sheer math of it is that one song is probably going to get more streams than the other four. And four are not going to do as another. If I split test and hire this person and then that person, like let's, let's say I hire two or three radio promoters to promote a song. By default, one person's going to get more results than the rest. And it doesn't mean that those other people are bad. It's just for some reason, there's a fear of trying things where something doesn't work as well as the rest. But a huge part of how I've gotten where I'm at has been, I was just like full-time fumbling through producing music. And so it was every single mistake and learned lesson would compound on top of itself to where I'm able to operate at the level of impact and authority that I have today. And it's still growing because it's always growing. I'm showing up and, and I love getting to show up and I found joy in like the slight discomfort, but it's not like an angst anymore. There's such a fine line with that. Does that answer your question at all? (laughs) No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful because I love that you are the way, exactly the way you are, because what it demonstrates for me is I do that too. I see so much of myself in you and the mentality of, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm just going to, and it's not even something that ever gets figured out. That's the joy of it. It's just the curiosity is the fun part. That's where the fun is. That's where I believe that, like you said, he loves to meet us in our desires. He loves to just play with us. God, I'm talking about God. You know, this is everything we do every moment. He's with us. It's not like, I love that you said, I don't like to use the word use me because you wouldn't say that with anybody else. He's with me in this and he finds joy with me in it. And it's sort of strange to say, but I think it's the most exciting place to be in our artistry is in that adventure that we get to have with him in our music. I mean, it's creativity. It's creativity. This is supposed to be fun, right? It's not supposed to be stressful. I mean, I get that there are moments of stress and I get there's moments of angst and fear and maybe you just kind of want to try something that's traditional, but you don't stay there. You experiment in that with that. Yeah. So one of the things that I found and oh, I feel like I'm, I'm maybe about to step on some toes, but it's not intentional. Please. That's what we want to do. Oh, Lord. One of the things that I found, and by the way, just a quick little uh, public service announcement. I recommend almost every artist that I work with to consider seeing a professional Christian counselor. That has been so life-changing for my life. But you know, to have an isolated, one-way focused conversation to really work on your spiritual life and making sure that every part of your life is honoring God and intentional. But one of the things that I've learned over time is that as I've worked on uh, breaking 
spiritual self-sabotage in my life, I have found that it when you it's almost like if a dam that is holding back water cracks and then water starts pouring out all over the place, you know, it's like you break one area and then all of a sudden you have this awareness all of a sudden of all these other mm. places where you were practically self-sabotaging, mentally self-sabotaging, financially self-sabotaging. And so, you know, sometimes, and also I've had the other way around where as I've worked like with my business coach on my business, I've found places where it's like, I'm not like a, a wretch in how I'm doing my business, but there are things where I'm like, maybe I was afraid of making this decision because of this thing in my life that I allow to influence my perspective. And so God just delights in using all of this stuff so that we can mature, put those childish ways behind us, as the scriptures say. And so like, I think one of the coolest things about having a business is all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit can just shine the lights on all these places that you're going to spiritually grow. You know, most (laughs) of us, we've not been entrepreneurs before, but the reality is if you have a business that you're running yourself, I am the person who cleans the toilets. I'm the person who answers phone calls. Like if there's something that goes great, I'm attached to it. If there's something that uh, is a little bit like didn't turn out perfect, there's this whole kind of responsibility where you have to accept everything as, oh, I'm linked to this (laughs) (laughs) and I can't offload this on somebody else. There's this healthy, holistic responsibility. Obviously, people can take that and run with it in a foul direction, but there can be a healthy, holistic responsibility that you start to take. And I think a lot of the reasons why a lot of artists have fear in doing that is because if you do this with your business, just know that you're going to start realizing where you aren't doing that in your personal walk with the Lord or with all these other areas of your life. God will, in His love, show you all those little fractures in your heart that He just wants to mend so that you can be this whole person that fully shows up with just this deeper well for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the things that He just loves to sow and fill us with those nutrients so that they just thrive. And also, too, he will ordain the pace of all of that process. And you can have peace in the pace that he provides if you submit yourself to it. It's very hard to have peace in the pace that he provides if you don't accept it, because then you're not abiding in it, right? So yeah. That's beautiful. You said you were going to step on some people's toes. You talked about counseling, which absolutely is profound. I do some coaching with some of our writing worship community. And so much of it is getting out of our own way and freeing us up to who God has made us to be more authentically and more more real. I, I can tell you've been down that journey for a long time. I think you also said outside of the counseling that you invested probably tens of thousands of dollars yeah. into your craft as a writer. Tell me a little bit about some of those things that you've done and why do you feel that that's important? Absolutely. So it's interesting. Sometimes we talk about finances and it can be this tacky thing. And I love to just like, let's just talk about things appropriately so that we can grow and sharpen each other. Right. And obviously everybody's experience is different. But after that conversation with Paul Wright, I ended up investing about $30,000 in songwriting coaching and vocal coaching. I invested about $20,000 in conferences and uh, networking events. 
to grow with other songwriters. And then I invested for $25,000 in doing an EP and marketing that. And, you know, so I'm well, at this point, I'm well in over $100,000 into my career. And that, that wasn't done overnight. That was done with a lot of sacrifice. Like when I first got married and I was working at that studio, I was like, <laughs> just to put, I know somebody listening to this can relate. I was in like the predicament, like lunch was like peanut butter on a spoon or peanut butter on a slice of bread. Like that's, we were in some poverty and, you know, over time, God helped me really trust him with finances and making, establishing disciplines in place to start hacking away at like debt and things like that. To market my first song that I dropped, I sold my old guitar. I sold my old studio speakers. I sold my old studio computer. We stopped going out to eat except for once a week. We bought an espresso machine and started making coffee from the house. So we didn't just have to, if basic coffee is too lame for you, you can make an espresso drink and save cash. And I stopped buying clothes. Like what I was saying earlier, you prioritize what you want to prioritize. And for me, getting to that mindset of I'm going to do this. And it's not, these expenses are not, if you can check your heart, you can have peace about it not being like a selfish, self-indulgent, self-glorifying thing. For some people, it might be that. And so like allow, like check yourself, like ask God that question and like have the Holy Spirit revealed to you. Have some friends that can speak into your life if you're unsure. But once you know, you don't have to sit in all those, a river of unnecessary questions. You can just move forward and invest into what God's doing in your life. And even outside of like vocal coaching, for instance, as I started to invest in that, which by the way, the vocal coach that I've recommended to so many people is Jeff Mathena with the Unhindered Voice. He did miracles for my voice. <laughs> but one of the things that he taught me is a lot is connecting emotions with physical performances. And he, I learned so much about how my countenance affects my actual vocal musical performance. And it opened up this whole can of worms working with him where I had to address certain things in my life. Like, why do I feel shy about singing this high note? So all of these things. And then that, now that God's helped me have victory over some things, I have the capacity to pass it on and create space in my life for other people to achieve that. So investing into your music can create so much more of an impact for your personal life, your family, marriages, kids, friendships, your church, than you would even expect. And I think if we all give ourselves the permission to just say yes to God's leading and what those years of discipline look like, then we would experience a lot more joy. And a couple other things I'm just thinking about, just from some recent conversations with people, you know, the scripture the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you want peace that surpasses understanding, you're going to have things that you don't understand. And so a lot of times people will say they'll associate confusion with absence of peace. You can be confused and still have full peace. Additionally, too, I was talking with a friend the other day and we were talking about how a lot of people, when it comes to their careers, pouring in their audiences and doing this as a ministry, they're focused on pouring out. It's that whole God use me kind of thing, very like empty me kind of thing. And he was just encouraging me to focus instead of thinking about pouring out yourself, 
focus on being filled with God and letting the overflow come. And if you're feeling shy or insecure about, well, the volume of my overflow can't produce enough for the calling that God has for me, like there is quantity and quality. And so there's quality as well. And I just think about like people with Jesus, like the lady with the issue of blood, just one touch, that quality of that touch changed her. And so if you don't have a whole lot of finances quantity, if you don't have a whole lot of time quantity, if you don't have a whole lot of spiritual theology knowledge or something, you can show up right where you're at and God just do a rich work in your life and through your life as you say yes. And I think what's so beautiful about the writing worship, brave worship, whole community, uh, the people that I've met in this group that are intentionally pursuing connection and spiritual family and writing family, these people are so encouraged and just filled with just this passion and excitement to like run their own race and cheer others on in theirs. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you've not been tapped into that community, like to be honest, the people that have reached out to me from writing worship are some of the most like joyful artists that I've met just because of community being awesome. It's just such a blessing. And, and again, as like saturated as the music community is like, there are a lot of people that are alone and don't have to be that way. And you can meet people that are maybe farther on your journey than yours, not as far in their journey as you are on yours. And you can all encourage and stir one another up towards, towards love and good works. And that's going to result in good works happening in your career. Amen. Oh man. Uh, all of what you said is just exactly what I would hope would be the result of the community that, that we have and that we continue to invest in and, and partner with and in every way. That's why we started, we actually started a writing club for anyone who's graduated from the mentorship. And that's the main focus is community connection, more of what we had when we did the mentorship together and more authentic to what we are trying to help stir up in one another. Mm. So that is writing more songs, writing hopefully better songs. We, we yeah. just keep getting better and better in your craft. But at the same time, also continuing to pour into each other from a heart standpoint between one another. So I feel like we could have more conversation for sure. <laughs> but to wrap this part one of whatever, however many times we connect, Kevin, Explain courage. Like, what does courage mean to you? Your studio is called Courage Studios. You can find Kevin and connect with him at couragestudiosonline.com, I believe. And uh, I just, the more I talk to you, I just feel like so many people need to hear and receive from the things that you are, that are actually pouring out of you from the overflow, like you said. So I could tell that you're still working on you. You're constantly working on you and you and the Lord are just, you're continuing to grow in your relationship with him and find out new things about him. And he's showing you new things about you, yeah. you know, and it's beautiful. So, but back to the word courage, why is that word so important to you? And what does it mean for us? Why do we need courage? I, you know, we titled our our thing brave a long time ago. I have a podcast called Courage Cast. So it means something to me. I wonder if we're similar in the way that we see that word and why that word is so important. Yeah. 
absolutely. I mean, courage is, has been massively transformational in my life because it's all these things I didn't understand that it was. I was saying a little bit earlier in this, as I was studying courage, I was learning about it through, there's actually a TED Talk that I watched called The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. And that was a really impactful TED Talk for me. I ended up reading her books. And one of the things I learned is that in that, the Latin root of courage is core, C-O-R, it means heart. And the original definition was to speak one's mind by telling one's whole heart. And what I realized is it was less about being heroic and more about being seen. And I thought, well, what is this being seen? Like, what, what about that is scriptural? Like, and that's when I was processing the whole first John passage to be known as to be loved. Well, the prerequisite of being known is even being seen. And I didn't realize that God delighted in seeing me. I thought it was like, oh, I'm repulsed. Get Jesus's blood on you quickly, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Just because I just thought I am, this is what I believe. This is a lie, by the way. I believe the lie that I was redeemed from negative 100 to zero, but not negative 100 to 100. I believed that I was redeemed enough to be used, but not redeemed enough to be cherished. I thought God could use me to the point where maybe I could write for another artist to carry it, but nothing refreshing could ever come from my lips. And because how could I be a person that carries good news if I'm not even good. And I had to really bring God those like honest lies that I believed and watch God just work in my life and bring intense healing to where I almost felt like I was like a child again, just so fresh and revived. And when I realized that God doesn't use me, but he delights in me, that he's commissioned me to the great commission. And Jesus literally said greater works would even be done than even what he did, which are his words, not something we're putting in his mouth. To really believe that, to really believe that like I am seen by him, known by him, loved by him, and that instead of him being the light of the world and me being in his shadow, that we are the light of the world and that his light radiates through my life and that I'm not lost through that, but instead found through that. Uh, that's where I found my artistic voice. That's where I found my testimony that would accompany the blood of the lamb. And that's why I believe like a lot of people, I think the thing I'm the most proud of having produced artists these past few years is seeing artists overcome in their lives. And then sh just like, so striving free, just share what God is doing in their lives, and then watching communities be transformed. So rewarding, and so much less work than what we hear about what we're supposed to do to make a song go viral. And I, I think like, sitting back, really realizing what courage was, that it wasn't about having bravado or appearing strong. I can look at myself and genuinely say that I have a, a tenderness and a confidence that I didn't have before. And that those aren't fighting against each other or opposing because my personality is sort of that kind of gentler type that I can lean into that, that and that 
God's allowed me to, like sometimes people will tell me that I can get away with saying some pretty bold stuff because I'm like really soft about it, I guess. And <laughs> well, again, I think it's in context. You set it up yeah. in context, like you, you said. It's, There's a context of love. You right, know? right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin, I, I just really appreciate the journey God's taken you on and your your surrenderedness to it has really is making an impact on our community. I run into many people in our writing worship community who just tell me how how wonderful it's been to work with you. So I had to get you to just come on and I wanted more people to experience you in our community. And that's the goal with this, at least this first conversation. I hope we can do more stuff yeah. together. This was awesome. Yeah. yeah. So tell everybody just the best way. What's the like, if they're considering feeling like, okay, I need to, I want to work more on my personal, professional and relational growth. I want to scale <laughs> with Kevin. How do we scale with you? Yeah. How do they scale with you and your company? Absolutely. So I produce and promote at Courage Studios. We're based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We work remotely with people all around the world. We help Christian artists grow specifically through... Uh, production and uh, songwriting production and promotion. And, and we really are a developmental kind of studio. Our production approach is very developmental and we help artists develop their artistic brand and just chronicle what God's creating in them. And on a practical level, hopefully get an awesome product and, uh, and work that thing out there. And the average artist that works with us uh, has grown three to 10 X their overall streams and revenue within the first year. We also do Spotify promotion. We do YouTube promotion. We also do consulting in relational growth on social media, like which I like to call relational media, because that's what we're trying to do on there is connect with people, you know, and make disciples. But yeah, that's what all we do there. If you're an artist and you're trying to figure out next steps, like I'd love to help you. And if it's not that we work together, hopefully point you in the right direction. But if you go to our website, it's www.couragestudiosonline.com. You can click there to fill out a form, schedule a phone call where you talk directly to me and we can talk about your career and what you got going on and figure out next steps for you, whether it's production or promotion or whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's been an absolute privilege to be able to just like walk with many of the people who are part of this community. I remember back in the day with the women's ride outs. And uh, is that how you say it? Or right? Not women? Girls ride out. <laughs> That's it. Yep. And just all the people that were just telling me how it was changing their lives. And so, and I just see how those people have become more rich with Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, the last few years. And so to be a part of getting to serve this community has been an honor and experiencing some of what they're experiencing too. But you guys are really blessed to be part of this awesome thing. It's it's a real gift. And I know that Eric, you and Chrissy have put in a lot of time and a lot of work. And a lot of people probably have no clue how much you guys have sacrificed to have the authority and the ability to host this. And so anyways, I know a bunch of these listeners honor you guys, but I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for all that you guys are facilitating. And I know it's going to be really cool to hear all the stories of how people have been impacted. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I want people to reach out to us and tell us what they thought of this episode. And um, this is one of those, I love doing podcasts because it's such a great way to connect. It's such a great way for yeah. people to hear 
someone's heart in a very dedicated way. It's much better than any, I think, any other format. So I'm just grateful you took this much time with me and uh, totally honor you for uh, all the work that you do and just for who you are. So Kevin, let this be the only time. I look forward to many more conversations if you'd like. So yeah, let's do it. And hopefully next time I won't have to reschedule because I'm having another baby. Uh, well, if it happens, <laughs> We're going to wait a little while. Let's, we'll try. Let us know if you can plan when the water breaks. That'd be great next time. <laughs> That's amazing. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely, buddy. To get connected to our community of female songwriters and creatives, visit braveworship.com. And if you'd like some more information about our resources for Christian songwriters, visit writingworship.co. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, uh, drum roll here please, <laughs> our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus, You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.